Look at us. Look at us. Plotting without even plotting. Plot, plot, plot. The woman takes power. Ah! Who let the dogs out? Hey, book friends. This is Corey. Thanks for listening along as we have a book club of two over a cup of tea. Our goal is to explore beloved genres as well as push ourselves out of our comfort zone and explore genres we might typically overlook or avoid. In each episode, we discuss a randomly selected genre. We will be sharing our reading experience and a brief review of the books we recommended to each other from the previous episode. Also a heads up, so that we can have a rich and in-depth conversation or maybe spoilers about the books we are discussing. All right, let's get started. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4. So, fun story. This this episode is about Black History Month. However, we're pretty sure it's coming to you in March, which Black History Month is in February. A little planning error on our part, but we spent most of February talking, reading about these books, and we're talking about them in February. So, we feel like it still counts, and it's important enough to still go ahead and talk about a little bit. But before we get to what we are going to share about Black History Month, we also wanted to just check in. And we haven't seen each other in a couple weeks, so how's it going? It's good. Life's been crazy. I bought tickets to Europe. Ooh. And I'm trying to become a Bar 3 instructor. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yep. So I had my first mini audition with our local owner here and just have a couple things to work on. And then I'm going to try and really audition in March. Okay. And hopefully go to teacher trainer in June and become a teacher. Wow. That's super cool. Mm -hmm. Well, let's see what's been going on with me. I had to turn in my very intense uh, six-month evaluation. And um, that wore me out and was stressful, but it's done. Yay. Until next year. Until next year. And then I'm I'm planning two trips. So... We're going backpacking in over spring break week at late March in Perea Canyon. Cool. Um, so we started prepping, but started working out for that yesterday, working on carrying a backpack with weight in it because mm-hmm. it's seven miles in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we're going to the Pacific Northwest at the end of July for a big girls camp out trip. So it was similar great. like you did last year. Yeah. Same cool. people. Yep. Yep. Awesome. So. And then we also adopted a puppy who you might hear barking today because she's being an obnoxious little brat and Robert is off biking with friends. And <laughs> so, and sh- the cat's here too. So we just got like a whole zoo going on today and, you know, again, keeping it real. This is what happens when you record in a home studio. Totally. And, um, We'll just ask our lovely listeners to give us a little grace and yep. think of it as added charm to our <laughs> whole show. This is real life, people. Ooh. So, um, oh, we should tell them about, I mean, we've put it all over social media, but we got a sweet little shout yeah, out. We're almost famous. Almost famous. We're going to get there. We are. And then we're going to both be able to quit our jobs because viewers like you donate to our cause. Yeah. And listen to us and, and also write reviews. Yes. So. And give us things to review. Yeah. So if you don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> head on over to Facebook or Instagram or to the Flag Live webpage, and you will find us as part of the fre- headline, I get what do they call it, headlining article? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. cover page article. We're not on the cover, which is okay, but uh, we are part of the cover article. About podcasting in Northern Arizona. Yeah. It's very exciting. It is very exciting. So that was cool. And we're, of course, drinking tea. 
And today is Kiri's choice, so I want her to talk about it first. So we are drinking some plum deluxe tea, and the flavor today is gingerbread chai tea. And what I really, I mean, there are so many things I love about plum deluxe tea, but one of the things I really like is they kind of give you this one-sentence explanation of the tea. So the gingerbread chai tea is called spicy and comforting, like a favorite blanket. Pair with winter rituals or comfortable traditions. Oh. Isn't that sweet? Well, this is a comfortable tradition. Yeah. And it's our favorite winter ritual and summer ritual and spring (laughs) ritual, ritual. all ritual, reading books and talking about it while drinking tea. We're kind of predictable. (laughs) I just realized this. Oh, my God. (laughs) So this tea is a black tea. So it has caffeine in it and has some nice cinnamon and ginger, obviously, some cardamom and allspice. It's a very, it's like a delicious wintertime tea. Mm -hmm. I mean, granted, it's like 65 degrees in Flagstaff in February, which is a little barbaric, but this tea is bringing winter to the... Yep. It almost feels like winter. Yeah, almost. Um, And we love Plum Deluxe. They are going to be our sponsors for a while, and we're working on a secret something with Plum Deluxe. Yeah, stay tuned. Go and buy their tea. Andy's wonderful. Their whole team is wonderful. It's just a great experience. And their tea is always delicious. We haven't found one we we don't like yet. So this one is gingerbread chai. And it's gingerbread chai. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And when we take a break, we'll tell you how you can get a discount on your first order of tea with Plum Deluxe. But yeah, I like it too. Um, Sometimes, I think we've talked about it when we've drank chais before. I uh, I like this one because it's not it doesn't have that harsh spiciness in the mm-hmm. back of your throat when you drink it. Yeah, it's more of just kind of a really gently spiced tea. Mm-hmm. It's very sippable. I feel like I could drink a couple cups of it and be completely wired. Oh well, that's true. Yeah, Plum Deluxe. I feel like their caffeine level is good. You think? Yeah. Okay. I always feel buzzed. Huh. I think it's I drink. You don't really drink coffee though, and I. Drink- I have been though. Oh. I've been naughty. <laughs> True confessions here. I don't know that I've ever known Kiri to drink coffee. Wow, listeners, this is monumental. Make note of today. <laughs> It'll go down in history. Kiri's drinking tea. I mean, coffee and tea, and all tea, of it, everything. everything. Now, if she was like a muscle boosting it up, I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where is Kiri, and what have you done with her? Maybe this is Kyrie. Oh, maybe it is Kyrie. It's my... Kyrie drinks coffee. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's talk about books. <laughs> let's talk about books. Well, let's first let's talk about Black History Month. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's do that. Okay. So, Kyrie did the research for today, or maybe it was Kyrie. I don't know. And, but I'm going to share it. So, bear with me, because let's be honest, this is the first time I'm looking at it. So, I'm going to learn with you all as I share it. Do you want me to read it? Nah, I got it. I got it. It's in my hands. All right, so Black History Month is an annual celebration of achievements by African Americans and a time for recognizing the central roles of blacks in U.S. history. President Gerald Ford officially recognized Black History Month in 1976, calling upon the public to seize the opportunity to honor the two often neglected accomplishments of black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history. Since then, every U.S. president has officially designated the month of February as Black History Month. 
The story of Black History Month begins in 1915, a half century after the 13th Amendment abolished slavery in the United States. In that September, Harvard-trained historian Carter G. Woodson and the prominent minister Jesse E. Moreland founded the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History, an organization dedicated to researching and promoting achievements by Black Americans and other people of African descent. Known today as the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, the group sponsors a National Negro History oh, sponsored, excuse me, a National Negro History Month in 1926, choosing the second week of February to coincide with the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. The NAACP was founded on February 12th, 1909, which was um, the centennial, I guess, hundredth anniversary of the birth of Abraham Lincoln. And for 2018, the theme of Black History Month is African Americans in times of war. Oh, I didn't mm. know there was a theme every year. Yeah, look at research. She learned so many things. And if you live locally, one of my bookstore, Brightside Bookshop projects is that I put together a Black History Month display. And so all through the month of February, we will have a wide variety of books, children's books, graphic novels, nonfiction, fiction all either about African-Americans and history and or written by, mainly primarily written by African-American and Mm. people of black descent. Cool. Way to go, Brightside Bookstore. I know. They let me do so much fun stuff. I know. I want to work there. Gosh. (laughs) Let's become famous from our podcast, Mm -hmm. work at a bookstore, Okay, and I'll be a bar three instructor. Okay. Let's just make that our plan in life. All right. And then we can open up a bar three bookstore it has books and bar and tea. <laughs> Too much? It Too doesn't, much. It doesn't I know. work. It yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. Carrie's looking at me, looking at her going, where are you going with this? This is weird. It's all the caffeine. It is. It is. So we are going to start with Carrie's choice first. So I am going to hand off to her. Well, I actually don't have much to say. So I picked uh, Toni Morrison's Song of Solomon, which I feel like is a classic classic book and I've read a couple of Toni Morrison's other novels and I think she's a brilliant writer but I could not get into this book Hmm. and about three years ago I decided that life is too short to read books you don't like okay and I didn't really apply that to the podcast because this podcast we're supposed to be talking about books and tea and I haven't really liked a lot of the books that we've read. <laughs> so, I know. We're doing some, I'm doing something wrong. Anyway, so I didn't finish this book. I got about 50 pages in and just decided that mm-hmm. I wanted to read something else. Okay. So I don't have anything to say. I have no idea what happened. I don't know the storyline. So, but I guess my one question would be is what, what didn't you like about it? Like, why weren't you able to get into it? I mean, if you read 50 pages in, you certainly got... I gave it a solid effort try. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's because she does not... She is writing, I think, from the protagonist's point of view of mm-hmm. maybe an uneducated black man. So it's very... Adjectives are not where they're supposed to be. Oh, okay. Words are not spelled like they're supposed to be the dialogue is complicated for me to understand. And I feel like I've experienced this with another book we read last year. (laughs) I don't remember what book that is, but I have a hard time reading books that don't follow speech properly. Interesting. And so I gave it a try. I found it hard to 
figure out the characters. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember the man being on the rooftop, peeing <laughs> on people. And I shortly gave up after that. I was just like, this is way too, I have no idea. Got so it. yeah, I think okay. it's just the way that it's written. If it's yeah. not written in, not an educated way, but in a in a way that you would normally speak, or uh-huh. maybe white people would normally speak, mm-hmm. I, I can't get into it as much. But this is her other books are not like that. Hmm. And so that's why I, I thought it was so strange that I couldn't read this book because mm-hmm. I've read so many of her other books and they were written a little bit more eloquently. Okay. And not in a protagonist that maybe was not educated. Mm. See, I, I think it, I, I would argue it was written very eloquently. So really? I, ironically, I loved this book. I gave it five stars. Oh my gosh, Corey, I don't understand you and your ratings. <laughs> I um, It was a slow read. It took me a solid two weeks to read it. And I'm actually thinking about using it when I teach Honors 190 in the fall. Oh gosh, why are you going to do that to your students? Stop it. <laughs> Pick another one of her books. Uh-uh, because it's my book. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, Mom, I don't want uh-uh, to. No. Well, because my theme for my honors English class is family, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But you could pick, like, Beloved or uh, something that I really all of her books are family-related. Don't I... pick this book and those poor kids. I loved it. Oh. So, um, <laughs> so, so here, and I was thinking about, because I actually knew that Curie had given up, given up on it before I even started it, and... <laughs> And I was, so I think maybe I felt obligated to keep going. So I was like, shit, one of us has to read it. <laughs> I'll take no, like we don't tea. have to read it. Remember, glad, life is too short to read books you don't like. But I'm glad I did because I actually really loved it. Yeah. So, so here's what I will say. And I, so I will agree with you that the beginning is weird and hard to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so my last note, which I felt was really poetic, so I feel like I have to share it. <laughs> I know, I know. Is that, it, so it's told in kind of a nonlinear fashion. Mm-hmm. And it's like a puzzle that she's slowly piecing together for you. And as each piece clicks, you realize how each of these vignettes and stories come together to tell this history of this family. And it really takes the whole book to completely understand what the heck she's doing. Mm, it, yeah. it, it did. I mean, like, when it ended, I was like, oh, it had a rough ending, too. Oh, um, man. See, I don't. Uh, I'm not, glad. Yeah, it, it was tough. It, it ended really abruptly and sadly. Um, it's not my jam right now. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I did come up with, like, a little bit of my synopsis of what this book is about. Because it's hard to explain the book. I mean, the cover, yeah. the back of it does explain it pretty well. But it doesn't at the same time. And so what I said is it's a story of a young, privileged black man in the 1930s who has everything and nothing. Mm. And he doesn't really fit in anywhere. And he doesn't appreciate what he's given and what he has. So he finds himself on this journey through the South for like the last third of the book where he learns about the story of his ancestors and he sees a different way to live. And so I just really appreciated as again, as I dug into it and the pieces started coming together for me, you know, it has those big themes of love and family and redemption and history. And you have this intermingling of this affluent family in the 30s living in the North who are still not really accepted Mm -hmm. because they're black, um, who are trying to emulate the whites. And because of that, they are they are not really part of their own group of people. 
Mm. And so they're very proud of where they are, but yet they don't belong anywhere. Mm. And they're very complicated people. Most of them are not particularly likable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But at the same time, they're not likable in that way where you still kind of root for them, for all of them to find their way. And so it's kind of nice that Macon at the end does kind of find his way and figures out what life is really about. So I can tell that you're in love with this book because like you have this softness to your face and your voice mm. and it's just very moving. It was, I, I didn't expect to like it this much. I mean, especially I, cause I said how much I hated it. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I, um, but I just, I was, I was enchanted. I unexpectedly. So I was prepared to hate it because you hated it. <laughs> And it took me a while, and then I just really want... I got invested in the characters. I wanted to know where it was going. I wanted to know what was happening. There's a little bit of a mystery in there with some mysterious gold. And um, it's just... And again, like I said, it's like she like kind of just keeps... Or maybe an onion. We'll use an onion analogy, too. She keeps peeling a layer off, and then you're like... Oh, like even that opening scene, which is so bizarre with the guy jumping off the roof and everything and the pedals and all of that and the woman giving birth and the women singing slowly that all comes together. And at a certain point, you're like, oh, I didn't get why she started with that. And that was weird and not really. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay, it all makes sense. (laughs) You know, what's funny is that I was talking to Chris, my partner, about our podcast. Uh I'm going on a side note. And he had mentioned what's really great about our podcast is that our chemistry between one another is so good and so pliable. Like we have good chemistry. We have good conversations. We basically love each other. And what's funny is that we have this good chemistry. And I also feel like we are the complete opposite when our (laughs) books come to play. (laughs) Like, I don't know if we've both loved a book. Hmm. That's a good question. I feel like there's been a couple. I think, like, I've really loved it, and you were like, oh, it's okay, or vice versa, or I really hated it, and you really loved it, like, this book. Like, Uh I am surprised that you gave this five stars, Mm -hmm. because you have not given anything that we've read, I think, five stars before. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's just, even though we may Mm -hmm. not like books (laughs) the same way, our chemistry is still very fluid and you point out things that I didn't recognize and vice versa mm-hmm. and it's just like this lovely union. I do. Oh Aww. no, I agree. I mean, I think heart emoji. Oh, yes, we're making the emojis. <laughs> well, and I think I think it'd be a more boring discussion if we were there if we loved a, everything yeah, together. Yeah. I mean, we certainly would have stuff to talk about, but I think when we have two different perspectives that brings different nuances as right. well. Yeah. And I think we can I think the other thing is and at least I'll I'll speak for both of us, but I'm speaking for myself. I understand and appreciate it. if there's something you don't like, that's okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it takes different folks. and Totally. And this is an experiment. We're mm-hmm. exploring genres by genre. Genre by I genre. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. So I'm glad you liked this book. Yeah. Um, oh, I wrote The Ending Gutted Me. Oh. Um, what else would I say about it? People trying to be something they aren't. I already said that, I think. People trying to make a point. Stories of growth. Yeah, um, I did. I did mark a couple of, again, I you know, I mean, Toni Morrison. There's a reason why she yeah. is a well-known author. Mm-hmm. She's a beautiful writer, and so I did mark a few passages that I thought kind of encapsulated some of the characters. And so this one is about a Macon dad senior, so the da- the dad, mm-hmm. and he's a property owner. He rents houses. That's how he's made most of his money. 
and he's walking down the street and it says scattered here and there his house is stretched up beyond him like squat ghosts with hooded eyes he didn't like to look at them in this light during the day they were reassuring to see now they didn't seem to belong to him at all in fact he felt as though the houses were in league with one another to make him feel like the outsider the propertyless landless wanderer i was just like oh you know just beautiful stuff and then, uh, so, well, I guess, so the younger is, he actually goes by Milkman, not Macon, um, which I found, uh, did you get him, did you get far enough to No. So his mother nursed him for quite a while. Um, that was one of her ways of finding joy in life, <laughs> in a mm. loveless marriage. Mm. And uh, someone else caught her nursing him. And so that's how he got his nickname. Uh, yeah. Mm. So... Uh, he says, so he was about 16 here, and he goes, and it says, Milkman was five feet seven then, but it was the first time in his life that he remembered being completely happy. He was with his friend, an older boy, wise and kind and fearless. He was sitting comfortably in the notorious wine house. He was surrounded by women who seemed to enjoy him and who laughed out loud, and he was in love. No wonder his father was afraid of them. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it just, she really did a good job of putting you in the moment. Um, to describe his mother, she says, he would not pretend that it was love for his mother. She was too insubstantial, too shadowy for love. Ruth was a pale but complicated woman given to deviousness and ultrafine manners. Manners. She seemed to know a lot and understand very little. Mm. And then one more. Let me find this. Oh, this one is good. Um, <laughs> there's so many. I mean, I'm just telling you, like, you just are reading it and you, and you come across this passage where she, the way she describes people, again, you're just like, oh, man. Uh, so this one, Milkman gets involved with his cousin, Hagar, uh, which, again, there's obviously some issues with that, but we won't go there. And uh, but Like, get involved romantically? Mm -hmm. Oh. Yep. Jesus. And so... At a certain point, he falls out of love with her. And so they... Oh, she, it's a woman. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Hager's a woman. So... <laughs> I like how you think I'm supposed to know that. <laughs> oh, I know. I keep forgetting you haven't read Our it. old president used to be Hager. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hagar. H-A-G-A-R. That's still... Yeah, okay. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. So, here we go. Are you ready for this description? She was the third beer... Not the first one, which the throat receives with almost tearful gratitude, nor the second that confirms and extends the pleasure of the first, but the third, the one you drink because it's there, because it can't hurt, and because what difference does it make? Oh, that doesn't sound very romantic. Well, they, at that point, he wasn't in love with her anymore. Right. That's the point. And You're like my third beer. You're like my tenth beer. Uh, so then, oh, so here's a description of Hagar after she's rejected by Milkman. Oh, God. You ready? No. The calculated violence of a shark grew in her, and like every witch that ever rode a broom straight through the night to a ceremonial infanticide, as thrilled by the black wind as by the rod between her legs, like every fed-up-to-the-teeth bride who worried about the consistency of the grits she threw at her husband as well as the potency of the lie she had stirred into them, and like every queen and every courtesan who was struck by the beauty of her emerald ring as she tipped its poison into the old red wine, Hagar was energized by the details of her mission. She stalked him. Mm. I mean, that's powerful. Like It's creepy. I mean, it's so, well, yeah, it's creepy, but, like, you get, like, you feel the anger and the betrayal and the, like, those are just really concrete descriptions of a scorned woman 
that yeah, we would never describe someone that way, but then you're like, whoa, yes, that is one scorned <laughs> woman. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So that's enough for right now uh, about, I think, Song of Solomon and Toni Morrison, who's just an amazing author. And we'll leave it to you, dear readers and listeners, to decide whether or not you want to read it, depending on whether or not you've liked more of my books or more curious. <laughs> it's not a competition. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, it's time for a break. All right. So this week's sponsor is Plum Deluxe Tea. We've created a beautiful relationship with Andy and his company. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't help it. Did you get that, readers? Beauty. <laughs> it's like the Drew Carey show or whatever. Um, anyway, so we created this beautiful relationship with Andy and his company based in Portland, Oregon. What Corey and I both love about this company is that it hits all of our musts about what we put into our body. They're organic, it's sustainable, ethically sourced, small businesses, and a small batch. Andy does a great job with making every experience personal. I feel like we're friends that have never met. Plus, they have some really awesome teas. We haven't found one we don't like. So for all you tea lovers out there, we couldn't recommend Plum Deluxe Tea more. And if you go to their website and buy some, you can use our special code, Books and Tea, no spaces, to receive 10% off your order. We'll have a surprise for y'all later in the season featuring a Books and Tea podcast and Plum Deluxe Tea collaboration. Thanks, Plum Deluxe Tea, for being you and creating some of the best tea we've ever had. Okay, so we are back, and Corey's pick is... We Are Never Meeting in Real Life, Essays by Samantha Irby. So funny. Yeah, now for something completely different. Holy cats. We go from super serious to some hilarious short short stories. Oh my gosh. So... um, I had a lot of mixed... I had all the feels about this book, to be perfectly honest. I felt like, at times, it made me blush. uh, Just because she got really graphic at times. Oh, did she? Samantha Irby. Girl. (laughs) Like, sometimes I was like, oh my gosh, I want you to be my best friend, and I want us to meet in real life. And other times I was like, ooh, I don't know that we could have conversations (laughs) because... I don't know that I could respond to half the things that you say. I know. I kind of feel like she she reminded me a lot of myself when I was in my early 20s, and I kind of was more flamboyant with what I was telling people. Mm. And, you know, blunt has a negative connotation, but mm-hmm. I think bluntness in general kind of describes her. Like, there is nothing that is hiding. Like, she lays it all on the table. This is what you get. Some of it's funny. Some of it's sad. Mm-hmm. Some of it's like... That made me uncomfortable, and I don't get uncomfortable very easily. <laughs> Whereas so. I do. I should have been prepared. I'm like, ah! Yeah. And it's not like, I mean, and it's, uh, yeah. And part of me was like, you shouldn't be feeling so comfortable with her talking in great detail about her sex life. But I'm like, but I am. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, oh, so that's probably a really good warning for our listeners. Yeah, explicit. It's very explicit. Um I mean, and not in a disgusting way. I mean, she does it well, 
But if if it makes you uncomfortable to read about people talking about their sexual relationships, this might not be the book for you, or you may want to skip over those parts when it becomes evident that that's where she's headed. Yeah, she's a blog her, so she writes her own blog. <laughs> she does. So if you want to check her out and get a sense of her. Yeah, that then, might be your first doorway to see if right. you want to read this book. And the name of her blog is, I believe, Bitches Gotta Eat. Yep, because <laughs> so, it's true. It's None true. of this salad bullshit. And yeah, and I think so. I mean, yeah, there was again, I wrote so much about her and I really was like, oh, that's funny. Oh, that's cool. I, I, I could probably again read like 30 quotes to our listeners. I won't do that to you. I promise you if you're going, oh, shit. But, um, you know, it was kind of what she reminded me of was a mashup of the blog guest, Jenny Lawson, mm-hmm. um, who does Furiously Happy mm-hmm. and... Oh, shoot. What's the other one? Let's pretend this never happened. Let's pretend this never happened. Um, Roxanne Gay, who wrote, uh, she just came out with a memoir, Hunger, but she also did uh, Bad Feminist, a book of essays. That's really great. Mm. Um, And then another memoir writer who ironically also lives in Chicago named Jen Lancaster that I love. Um, And her writing, so, and that's kind of funny that I, because I kept thinking, you're kind of like, a bizarro version of Jen Lancaster because Jen Lancaster is a self-admitted prude, so she never talks about sex. <laughs> but she also lives in the Chicago area, so some of the things she, that they would both observe about living in like the city of Chicago mm-hmm. and city life and just kind of that area, um, I was kind of like, yeah, I could see that. Totally. But it was funny. So what, did you have any like specific thoughts you wanted to share? I don't think so. So I read this book a few months ago, so I wasn't going to reread it again just because that's not my jam really, unless it's Pride and Prejudice. But, you know, I really, the one thing that sticks out the most to me is her and her cat. Oh my gosh. Helen Keller? Yes. That relationship was the funniest part of the book of how much she loved slash hated that cat and how much that cat hate slash loved her. It was hilarious. Like her saying like she knows that the cat is judging her and Mm. I I mean it was just she obviously (laughs) is not a cat person and she has a cat and she loves that cat, even though she's not a cat person. But she also despises that cat and think that cat is going to kill her in her sleep. Right. Oh, I know. And, and yeah, I've, I actually marked a quote. I was just looking for it. Because <laughs> I was trying to find one that really kind of encapsulated how she would narrate for Helen Keller. Yeah. So here's one. Um, she says, and she's this is about her putting on a bathing suit to go to water aerobics. <laughs> and she goes... Helen Keller was rolling her eyes, muttering, not even going to trim the sides, eh, under her fishy (laughs) breath, while I was figuring out how to step into that silly bottom piece. I threw a shoe at her head, just barely missing her horns. (laughs) I think it was one of the funniest parts of the book. Yeah. Well, and I related to her because she's kind of like a little old lady. Yeah. Like she goes, she has rheumatoid arthritis, so she's kind of in a lot of pain most Mm -hmm. of the time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she enjoys the simple things in life she's like me in a lot of ways of let's go to bed early and let's eat really good food and (laughs) i don't know it would just kind of felt like a sister bond was happening as i was reading her like i would totally be into water aerobics that sounds like fun oh water aerobics is totally fun and it is legitimately filled with mainly gray-haired people (laughs) um except for me but (laughs) uh, yeah i you know i mean i think she covers a wide range of topics and what i what i really appreciated about this and i wanted to kind of bring it back around to black history month because really with song of solomon we didn't talk about that but i but i will just as a sidebar say i think it was a really good snapshot 
of what it must have been like to be black in the 1930s before the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll just put that out there. But with Samantha Irby, she comes at it from the perspective of so many lenses that I think any of us could relate to. Yeah. She's a woman. So she talks about women issues a lot, Mm -hmm. which we're like, yeah, girl, we gotcha. Yeah. She's black, which I can't necessarily relate to. Right. But um, there's some great quotes of where she kind of, again, added some humor, but kind of kept it real. No, you can't touch my hair. It's just like... Um, And she's gay. Yeah. And so, which it seems like she came to later in life, because she definitely talks about relationships with men as well. So, I don't know. I I don't know how she actually identifies. We'll just say GLBT. But she actually ends up marrying... Did you just say GLBT? Yeah. Isn't it LGBT? Does it matter? Is there another way? Well, I'm trying to keep up with the times. Like, I think it can go either way. I, we'll have but to... then there's QAI++, right? Yes. See, it's very... I'm uh, just trying... I just I don't know if there's another way of saying it. It's. I, I'm not criticizing I know. I'm no, just, I'm, I'm stressed because you're uh, right. <laughs> sorry so... sorry to our friends who identify anywhere on that spectrum right, yeah. of many um, letters. We're trying we to keep up with the times. understand and respect, yeah. yes. Yeah. But we don't always say mm. the right thing. Right. Because we're human yep okay sorry but no no but i think again and so i think it's it was also interesting to watch how her essays evolved as she became more and more involved with her uh, significant other Mm -hmm. who they had a long distance relationship with right and so the last like quarter of the book was her talking about getting married and Mm -hmm. moving to i want to say upper uh, like upper uh upper michigan um and talking about, I don't know how to live in a small community where people talk to each other and get along. <laughs> and I don't know how to talk to small kids because this woman has two children. And, you know, and how she's very, like, again, she really plays up the alienated, isolated, mm-hmm. single city dweller. Yeah. And um, almost to an extreme at times. I'm like, really, girl? Come on. Come on. You know, the one thing that I'm remembering now is when she goes to spread her dad's ashes oh, and it blows her fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... She tries to, like, of course, right? This is what we all do. (laughs) There's like this romantic idea of you take your loved one's ashes. Well, it wasn't even her loved one. She had such a terrible relationship. I know, but you know, like with all of us, like, like, we want our ashes to be spread. And so she goes to try and spread them and they just come right back in her face and she ends up down her shirt and and down her throat. (laughs) And just like, her dad is with her forever. Ever. It was so funny, like sad, right? Because, you know, there are Mm -hmm. some big chunks. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen cremated remains. I haven't. But when my surrogate mom died, we Mm -hmm. spread her ashes around her favorite tree. And there were like chunks. Oh, man. And it was kind of hard. I I shouldn't have been surprised either. There was also her nail polish still. (gasps) So your nail polish doesn't burn. Oh, that's weird. Isn't that weird? So there were like flecks of blue and like big pieces of bone. And I was like, this is the most traumatizing experience I think I've ever had i am but she's with her tree now so that makes me happy but yeah i I started giggling because it is some of it is really fine Mm -hmm. like dust like ash and you're just yeah oh man so yeah i i think you know she talks about challenges with losing weight yeah um trying to get through relationships I mean, she she covers you know again. It's a it's a wide ranging group of essays. There's a lot of thematic stuff, but she's so funny at times, and you just have to laugh at some of the things that you would think. Well, really, 
But oh, here's an example of kind of how she can be really explicit and graphic and how she describes things, but also uncomfortably so fun. Uncomfortably oh, I can't funny. wait to see your face when you read this. <laughs> <laughs> the drawback was that everything I ate made me have the kind of farts that make you check your underpants <laughs> for burn holes afterward. The kind of farts that sear your asshole as they exit. The kind of farts that have teeth. <laughs> it's so true, though. I had some of those yesterday. But I'm just like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you just, wow, you just said a lot right I there. I think it's, you know, it's like the whole everybody poops, everybody farts, holding it in is not healthy. Well, If I you know. eat spicy food, your butthole is probably going to be on fire. Fine. I know. We, we, we're, 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 I feel like farting out of all the things she talks about is like the least <laughs> offensive. <laughs> like everything she talks about is offensive besides, like farting is tame. True. But farts with teeth? I mean, it feels like it sometimes. Okay, well, fine. Have you I... ever had really spicy Mexican food and then <laughs> farted? Yeah. And it hurts? Oh, here's one about her with her complicated relationship with food. Oh, yeah, tell me. I'm always amused when they encourage you to eat instead foods, air quotes, like eating an apple when you really want to rub a bacon cheeseburger all over your boobs. <laughs> <laughs> so then I get this visual of her with this bacon cheeseburger being like, oh yeah, baby. Oh. <laughs> now lick it off. Oh man. That's I just so funny. She's so funny. And she's also I feel like you feel everything. Mm-hmm. You feel happiness, you feel sadness, you feel uncomfortableness, <laughs> mm-hmm. you feel comfortable, you feel enlightened, you feel like, oh, here's that story again. I think it kind of ranges all over the place with this book. Yeah. And I think it makes sense that they're essays. Yep. It's not going to read like a novel. No, it's not. And and I oh, and here's one that I thought was, you know, again, she doesn't play the race card a whole lot. But again, it's just part of what she talks about at times of like, this is the reality of my life. Yeah. And so I thought it did add some good little snapshots. So for example, she says, And if you're African-American and female, not only are you expected to be resilient enough to just take the hits and keep on going, but if you can't, you're a black bitch with an attitude. You're not mentally ill. You're ghetto. I was like, ooh. And then there's like another one where she talks about going to a wedding and checking around for the other black people because that's what you do when you. Right. I was just like, you know, things that we don't think about. And you're just like, yep, okay. Thanks for reminding me that that's. A little different. She also says, white people love picnics so much, in fact, that they'll just stop about they'll just stop about anywhere to have one. Why? <laughs> it's like picnics are great, which actually, oh, my gosh, that totally reminds. I just remember there was a story that made me think of. So when Robert and I first started dating, we um, were dating in secret because we were in the same group of friends and we wanted to make sure that we thought that our relationship had some sort of longevity before disrupting the fragile equilibrium of our multiple friends. Right. And so he was gone for a few weeks traveling and he came back and we decided to do this, have a date. And so we were also looking for a place that was kind of off the beaten track where no one would pay any attention to us that would know us. And so there's this huge system of uh, nationally recognized parks in Louisville. And we hadn't been to one that's on the West end of town, which is predominantly Mm -hmm. African-American. That's where all your friends were. No. No. So I pack up this picnic. <laughs> you see Maybe what? she was writing about you. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah, so I had like wine and cheese oh and a basket gosh. and a blanket. So we go to this park and we like chill out. I get everything set up and I start looking around and we were literally the only white people. The only, which was fine. I mean, but I was just like, oh, yeah, okay, this is so not my zip code. Right. And I'm sure they were all looking at us being like, 
damn those, freaking white people. <laughs> they're eating on the ground. <laughs> they're having a picnic. <laughs> it's like, I just remember thinking a feeling out of place, which was a good feeling. I think it just, we should feel that sometimes. Yeah. But. I felt that way when I was in DC, my friend was teaching at an all black, uh, university for women and mm-hmm. she was staying on campus. And so we were literally the two white people on campus. Everybody else was African American. Mm-hmm. And I would just remember being like, Oh, this must be what black people feel like in Arizona, like in Flagstaff when they're surrounded by a whole bunch of people that are not their mm-hmm. nationality. But, you yeah. know, it's interesting because Chris and I kept our relationship pretty secret <laughs> for a while as well. Secret huh. love. Secret love. Secret romance. All right. It's all the secrets. All the secrets. Well, speaking of love. I love love. Do you love love? I do. Yay, love. 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 So we're going to be reading some classic chick lit for you all. Yeah, about... I guess they both have love flavors. Absolutely. They're both about love. So you want to start with yours? Sure. So I picked Jane Eyre, which is great because we just read The Eyre Affair. So orphaned at an early age, Jane Eyre leads a lonely life until she finds a position as a governess at Thornfield Hall. There she meets the mysterious Mr. Rochester and sees a ghostly woman who roams the hall at night. What is the sinister secret that threatens Jane and her newfound happiness? (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. Dun, So it's going to be a love mystery. And I picked the classic oh Emma. Oh my gosh, by look Jane at you Austin. picking Jane Austen. Books. I know, I did that You're for you. On a roll. You so, didn't do it for me, you did it for you. Okay, I did it for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, the description for that one, if you don't know the story of Emma, is beautiful, clever, rich, and single. Emma Woodhouse is perfectly content with her life and sees no need for either love or marriage. Oh, maybe it's not a love story. Nothing. It's always a love story with Jane Austen. (laughs) However, delights her more than interfering in the romantic lives of others. (laughs) But when she ignores the warnings of her good friend, Mr. Knightley. Oh, is that the same Knightley as Pride and Prejudice? It's probably just a common name. It's just a common name. Anyways, I digress. Okay. Anne attempts to arrange a suitable match for her protege, Harriet Smith. Her carefully laid plans soon unravel and have consequences that she never expected. With its imperfect but charming heroine and its witty and subtle exploration of relationships, Emma is often seen as Jane Austen's most flawless work. Wow, that's a... Wow. Flawless. Especially because Pride and Prejudice is my... (laughs) I just cannot see anything more than Pride and Prejudice. Hmm. Emma's good. Yeah. Okay. I've seen the movie, so I'm curious to see what I think of the book. But it's been a long time. I don't really even remember the movie, other than that it had Gwyneth Paltrow in it. Ugh. And she was did archery. That's all I remember about the movie, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Anywho. Interesting. Yeah. So last but not least... We, uh, you'll notice that on our show notes, we're now offering a link to IndieBound. IndieBound is a collaboration between the independent bookstore members of the American Booksellers Association, and it's all about independent bookstores and the power of local first shopping. So in case you didn't know, locally owned independent businesses put more money back into the economy of their local communities by way of taxes, payroll, and purchases. So this means more money for schools, parks, police, fire departments, and smooth roads all in your neighborhood with your money. So, and it's absolutely true. But, so we are now uh, an affiliate with IndieBound, and you can use our link to either purchase the book online through IndieBound or to find your closest locally owned bookstore. For example, if you're listening in Flagstaff, it will tell you to visit Brightside Bookshop and purchase the books that we're talking about. So we strongly encourage you to consider that. I know we all want to save a few dollars here and there, and um, 
and I know that our big, uh, big corporate friends can help you do that. But at the same time, you're supporting local business, local employees, all those things if you just go ahead and bite the bullet and spend those extra couple dollars. And it'll come back to you eventually. So karma. Karma, people. Karma. What goes around comes around. Okay. I think that's it. Anything else? I don't think so. All right. talk to you in a few weeks. Yep. Have a good one. Hey, book friends. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks for listening along with us. Head over to our podcast site to share your recommendations and your opinions with us on the books we have read. That website is booksandteapodcast.com. It's also where you will find our podcast show notes with a full list of titles for the books, along with our favorite tea and what we mentioned today. If you are on any social media, feel free to stop by our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You will find those links on our website. To be the first to hear about the next new podcast and what we are working on, make sure you are signed up to our newsletter. 